0: need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force, this is Yards and Stripes, Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. That is us, Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. Bill,
1: and what a day, what a weekend it was. Last Saturday, just simply the the emotion, the patriotic pageantry that we saw, everything all rolled into one. Nine Eleven, the 20th anniversary, you know, the three teams in action, clearly Army, or excuse me, Air Force and Navy, first leg of the Commander-in-Chief trophy, we'll get into that. But the spectacle around sports, especially college football and our, our three schools, it was a really a, a magical yet also an emotional day for so many people as we, you know, remember 9-11 with a lot of anniversary things that went on in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, uh, D.C., New York, a lot of that stuff before turning the page to a degree and getting in the kickoff in the afternoon. It was just an incredible day filled with so much emotion.
2: Yeah, and I thought the, you know, we talked about it last week, one. Wondering how CBS would handle everything, and, and as we predicted, top notch. They did a great job uh, in showing it in the in the scenes from uh, up there at West Point to see those guys in their home opener, be able to run out, and everybody's got their American flags and everything else. It was just a nice moment. I mean, they packed that stadium up there uh, in New York for that for that Army game, and uh, ended up being a pretty good game as well. Uh, unlike the one in Annapolis, but uh, it was yeah, it was a nice it was a nice showing. Everybody I thought did a very well-respected job, and every coach that you heard talk about it all commented on the crowd, uh, the people being behind them, players talking about, you know, they were young kids in some cases, some of them not even born yet when 9-11 yeah. happened. Some of them were, you know, maybe two or three, but just knowing what it all meant, especially at the service academies. Uh, again, I thought the, that everybody did a fantastic job in, in representing and honoring those that they were trying to, to do that for.
1: Yeah, not that I would have expected anything different, especially from the coaches, players, you know, uh, officials from Army, Navy, and Air Force. But, you know, even after the game, post-game, you know, everybody, you know, the moments bigger than them, bigger than the game, uh, bigger than the result of what happened. You know, you, just reading quotes from players and coaches, listening to post-game interviews, Um, You know, everybody just paying tribute that, you know, the day was just so much bigger than any game in result could possibly be. And I think, you know, I sent a friend of mine a note, you know, that said on um, on Saturday, CBS just does a a fantastic job. I, I don't there's nobody else that does the way nobody does it the way they do it and I think CBS always just nails it with you know their Army Navy coverage in terms of you know bringing the pageantry pregame postgame the feature stories um you know, the stories amongst the players, clearly the story we know last Saturday was, you know, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. You know, they're uh, opening to the broadcast and, you know, showing the march-ons, you know, prisoner exchanges of, of from the different schools. All that, they just absolutely nail it every single time, Bill. And, I, you know, they're just a... Perfect partner, and I'm not getting paid by CBS to say that. They just, they nail it. They're they're just so good with those those features and those spots, opening, closing game, and bringing it into living rooms across the country.
2: Yeah, it's it's just too bad that the Air Force and Navy couldn't have given a better game because I'm sure people that tuned in to watch it were like, okay, this is kind of cool. It's, you know, uh, Navy, Air Force, usually like we talked about, it's in October. They did it, you know, here in September. And probably I would imagine the average college football fan about a quarter into that hit that remote and went, I I can't do it because it was (laughs) it was hard to watch. I mean, I'm like look, we're gonna be honest about these things. We're not gonna sugarcoat it and say, Oh, it was a fantastic game, Service Academy football at its best, because it wasn't. It was, I mean, Navy ended up with less than what 75 yards in the entire game. It was a slog. Now, I'll give my I'll give myself a little bit of credit price because I said that Navy would keep it close for a half and then Air Force would pull away in the second half. I didn't think it was going to be like this. I thought it'd be like 17 to 10 or something at halftime and then Air Force would beat them like, you know, 34 to 17 or something like that, 34-20. I didn't think that Navy wouldn't get to 100 yards. Period. Let alone anything they didn't get to 75 yards. It was horrific to watch. <laughs> All right,
1: let's get into it, Bill, because you're leading us right into it. Let's, you know, let's talk Air Force Navy. It was the game of the day. Um, The Commander-in-Chief Trophy, the first leg, second, well, then, you know, Air Force is going to have a chance with the second leg coming up in early November uh, to win the Commander-in-Chief Trophy when they play uh, Army in Arlington, Texas. But Air Force and Navy getting together 23-3, to Air Force, um, you know, it was a brutal game to watch. There's, I mean, you just said everything that really encapsulated the game. You know, 15 combined punts, you know, a, a lot of those punts played key roles in the game. I'll get to that in a second, but the earliest meeting in series history between the two teams, it certainly felt like it. I thought, you know, you and I were talking a little bit ago, you know, Navy only averaged what they had, uh, what, 68 yards total offense, 36 yards rushing in the football game could not get anything going air force at 20 225 yards of total offense it's not like they knocked it out of the park a 7-3 game at halftime that was you know punt 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 you know defenses ruled the day really in the first half but it was a it was a rough football game to watch especially if you were a navy fan if you're an air force fan you were liking it only up seven to three but it felt like you know from the air force side of things it felt like they, they were just close you know that they They were on the edge, that they could feel it, that that they could break one. It was just a matter of when. And, you know, Navy, I didn't think they looked as good as they did even in the loss to Marshall week one that they lost, what, 49-7. to I thought they looked better in that game, and I thought Marshall had a better defense than what Air Force does, except Air Force obviously knows Navy better. But it, it was a game that left you scratching your head in terms of the Navy coaching staff, the Navy players, You got to get back to the drawing board and figure it out. Air Force 23 to 3. It really wasn't even that close.
2: And you talk about, you said the numbers there getting less than 70 yards total offense, 67, 68, whatever it was. They got half of that on the last drive of the game. They got like 30 some yards on the. So three and a half quarters of that game, they had like 35 yards of offense. They were averaging like 11 yards a quarter. Not even a drive, a quarter price. I don't know what's going on there in Navy. I have a general idea. I mean, you and I have talked about it away from the podcast that for whatever reason, the talent just doesn't seem to be there. The quarterbacking just doesn't seem to be there. But if they're only putting up 68, 69, 70 yards against Air Force, what are they going to do? We've talked about this. Where is the win on this schedule? Now, (laughs) They got a couple weeks off before they have to play Houston. It couldn't have come at a better time this bye week because they got to figure a bunch of stuff out. But honestly, I don't know if I can look at that schedule. At the beginning of the year, I thought maybe three, maybe four. I don't think East Carolina is very good, uh, although they played South Carolina pretty tough this past weekend. I don't know how good South Carolina is. But I don't know where Navy – I don't think there's a single game on this schedule where I go – you know what? That's a pick'em game. Or, or maybe Navy's only a one- or two-point underdog. I think they're a touchdown yep. plus the rest of the way underdogs. I don't know where they get their win from. Yeah, was it – do you think it was
1: just simply an inept Navy offense? Do you think that was the story? Do you think it was the, the Air Force defense that, that was more of the tone setter? I
2: think it's a combination of both. I mean, Air Force's defense was good. But as you said, they they know the triple option. They know what's coming. They know the reads. I mean, you, you saw some of the, the defensive players for Air Force after the game even said, we were coming to the sideline and writing down their calls so that we would know, hey, if you hear this again, this is the guy that's getting the – I mean, they had them figured out by halftime. It was a wrap, yeah. even at 7-3, to three because Air Force knew Navy wasn't going to be able to do anything offensively. They put – Nine ten guys up in the box and said, I dare you to throw the football and Navy couldn't do anything about it. And 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 they talked about that, that they just they had no chance at, at being able to do anything against that Air Force defense.
1: Yeah, here's uh, here's Coach Calhoun talking after the game about how good his defense was. I think especially when you looked up and there were nine minutes left in the fourth quarter and what they had, I think they had like 32 at that point. And so, uh, yeah, Rudd and our defensive staff and all of our defensive guys, just their discipline and their eyes and the physicality, and yet we're going to need every bit of that and more next week. And Navy starting a quarterback, Xavier Arline, in place of the injured, Alavatai, And he was pulled 0-5, passing, the, throwing the football. They bring in Maynard off the bench. He finishes 3-5, 32 yards. And you mentioned, Bill, um, most of the, those 32 yards all came in the fourth quarter. That pretty much doubled Navy's total offense. I mean, they were literally averaging, what, what 10 yards per quarter. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely insane to say But you do have to give the Air Force defense credit. I mean, they knew exactly what was coming. Ten guys, nine, ten guys in the box. When you cannot stand back and throw the ball at all, you're going to have a long day. I don't care who you play, how much you practice it, especially against a service academy team uh, that knows, you know, that you know the triple option, you see it all the time. When you have no ability to throw it and loosen them up at all, it's just going to be a bad day. On the o- other side of the football, I mean, offensively, it took Air Force a little while to get going. They finally wore Navy down. Brad Roberts leading the way, uh, twenty-nine carries, ninety-seven yards for two touchdowns, and you know it was only two hundred twenty-five yards of offense, and Brad Roberts doing a lot of it along with Hazek Daniels at quarterback. But you know, uh, after the game, Brad Roberts talked about his offensive line, and you know, we, you and I've talked you know bunch this offensive line for Air Force. It's going to get better as the season goes on. Very very inexperienced, but they got better as that game wore on. Here was Brad Roberts afterward.
0: Our offensive line is extremely young, and so it just took a little bit, little bit uh, for it to come together. You could see it in the first quarter. There were little holes; they just weren't quite big enough to squeak through. Starting in like the second half, we really started to figure things out, and it started to get going.
1: So we mentioned a lot of punts in the football game. You know, they did play a big role. You know, uh, shank punt base by air force early in the game gave them led to a navy field goal you know navy muffs one chance worn that led to a score there was a roughing call bill you remember a fourth and 22 on navy that keeps the drive alive that Hazek daniels ended up scoring a touchdown on and then a snap over the navy punter's head that led to a safety it wasn't like it was just pump pump punt, punt. you know and and kneel down with a you know a, you know down in the football they played big roles in the game um I just don't know what else you say. Um, Air Force, they, they certainly take that commanding lead in the commander chief Trophy race, now having a chance to, you know, take it into their own hands in that matchup with Army a little bit later on. Um, you know, Coach Ken Niamatololo, they got to figure it out. Here's what Kenny said about his offense after the game.
3: They couldn't run the ball. We couldn't run the ball to start off the game, but I think a couple of their quarterback draws and a couple of their passing stuff kind of loosened them up. And when we threw the ball, we couldn't get anything going. But you can't have everybody playing up on a line of scrimmage like that. I mean, it's it's not rocket science. You got to be able to back people up. And we weren't able to do that.
1: And also after the game, we found out that uh, it reports surfaced that Navy was going to make a change with their offensive coordinator, Ivan Jasper. Bill and I will talk about that here coming up in the next segment, you know, and how that all transpired, played out, you know, thoughts behind that. Clearly, you're going to have to do something, Bill. You have an off week. Uh, we don't have a game to preview in a little bit, but if you're Navy, you got to figure something out with the off week this week. You got two full weeks to prepare to go down to Houston, Texas and play a dangerous Dangerous Houston team you need to find some wrinkles I don't know if it's getting back to fundamentals I think that's probably part of it I, I just don't know what you do offensively with the roster that you have you got to coach them up you need to be tighter you need to execute better is the personnel there to maybe shake some things up, do some things different? You know, you might have to do things radically different at this point. But if you do, now is the time to do it with two weeks.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure that they have the personnel there. To be honest with you, I, I just don't know. Again, I look at, at how they've been dominated over the last five games, and we keep going back to it. It's now 23 points over their last five games. That that's not scheme. That's not That's just talent because they've run the same scheme forever it's not like it's not like this is something new or they brought in a new coach and they just haven't got used to it this staff has been there for a long time it's just not working for whatever reason and going back to the special teams the, the disappointing part of that I mean you think about muffed punt right uh then you rough the kicker And then you have a snap go over your punter set. Three things, if you looked at it and said, okay, what are the three things on punt coverage or punting that you cannot have happen? Those are the three. Well, you can't drop the punt when they kick it to you. You can't hit Mm. their punter so that you keep a drive alive. And you can't snap, you know, have a bad snap to go over. Three, and and we talk about it all the time, and and I'm not trying to make light of it, but these are supposed to be disciplined football teams because their serves that to me is a complete lack of discipline. When you have all three of those things happen in the same game, I mean, that there's there's something else going on there. I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's something else that that should not happen. Even if all three things happen in a season, let alone in one football game.
1: Yeah, a lot to clean up. And real quick, uh, you know, we did talk about it at the outset, you know, Bill, Coach Ken. Afterwards, you know the moment nine eleven being bigger than all of it. You know, here's Coach Ken Niamatololo Afterwards,
3: I just think it was. I mean, it was awesome. It was a great atmosphere. You know, a capacity crowd. It's great to see. You know, and just for the reason that we're here. You know, and you know, remembering nine eleven. I think for our country, there's so much divisiveness now. You know what I mean? And I think it was cool for a day. Just put all of that aside. Put all the politics, put all of that stuff aside, and we're all Americans—not Democrat, Republican, not white, black, brown—none of it. Just remember 9/11, and remember those that you know that uh, passed away on that horrific day, and those that passed away after that.
1: All right, Bill Rolla and I will give out our game balls here in just a few moments. But we've talked about Air Force, Navy. Let's talk about Army, Bill, a 38-35 to 35 winner. You know, having to kind of hang on in a game where they got up big, and next thing you know, Western Kentucky, no quit in the Hilltoppers. You know, the entire team takes the, uh, the, the field, carrying the American flags up there at Mikey Stadium, a gorgeous day. Army wins their 11th straight at home and gets their first-ever win also over Western Kentucky in four tries. You know, they set the tone from the outset, forcing their opponent to turn it over uh, on their opening drive. Uh, but Army, thirty-eight to thirty-five, now two and zero on the season carrying a lot of momentum as they move forward you know in a game I know we'll talk about here in a little bit they have UConn but it took a while for both teams to get going a scoreless first quarter but boy it heated up in the second bill
2: yeah I was an entertaining get much more entertaining than the the Air Force Navy game that's yeah. for sure um, and, and it, it kind of played out like we said if, if Army was able to contain and do enough offensively. We Look, Western Kentucky was going to score. They have a very dynamic offense. Uh, Zappi, their quarterback, had another really nice game for them. But Army was able to do enough, contain, control the football enough. That quick strike offense for Western Kentucky was a problem. And, and Army will struggle this year at times against teams that can sling the ball around because it's just a different type of athlete. It's a different type of look. They did enough to keep them off the field. They did enough turning them over, but man, that was an entertaining game, and you look at everything. It, it played out. Army did enough to get a win, and looking over their schedule, we talked about Navy. Where's the win going to come from? For Army, outside of Wisconsin, where's the loss going to come from for them? They got a chance, really. 11-1 is not out of the realm of possibility for this team. Now, they may stumble. Somebody may get them, and they may finish 10-2, and but... I'll be shocked if they lose more than two games this season, looking at their schedule and and knowing how good uh, they've been, not only this year, but the last couple of years. They, they've really done a nice job building it up.
1: And I, I wouldn't put it past Army to go into Wisconsin and get a win. You know, that's the kind of team that plays right into the hands of Army, too, the Tough way ask. Wisconsin – it is a tough ask but they you know the 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 track record reflects that army's gone toe to toe with the biggest of the big boys in the last few years and you know stood every bit as tall you know in that second quarter you know army got up big 14-0 and then bailey zap the grad, uh, zappy the grad transfer from houston Baptist, who was the nation's leading passer a year ago. You know, he finished with, uh, you know, 28 of 40, 435 yards, three touchdowns along with a pick. But, you know, as dominant as, as he was, Army's rushing attack was just as good, if not better. You know, Army running for over 330 yards in the game. They held the ball for 40 minutes while Western Kentucky had it for 20. Um, you know, that opening kickoff where Army takes it seventy-five yards, ten plays to go up twenty-eight to fourteen. Um, you know, then they add another touchdown a little bit later. Fourteen plays, seventy-one yard drive, nine minutes off the clock. Jacoby Buchanan, uh, thirteen-yard touchdown run that gave Army a thirty-five to fourteen lead with ten thirty-one to go. And real quick, a note on that nine-minute drive, fourteen plays, seventy-one yards that put them up by three touchdowns. Only three third downs on that drive, Bill. It was a third and two, and then there was a third long that uh, Christian Anderson scrambled and got it. They didn't even see a fourth down on that drive. Usually you think of like a a nine-minute drive, you're thinking there's probably four or five third downs, maybe a fourth down spring. There was only two third downs in there. I think that's amazing. Um, You know, the comeback then obviously began. Zappy with a couple touchdown passes, and Army recovering that big onside kick, Cole Talley knocks in a 31-yard field goal with a minute 52, which ultimately was the difference. If you're Western Kentucky, do you think about, may- I mean, obviously it's hindsight, but now do you think about may- man, I know you had to kick it in, in onside kicking. I mean, man, do you wish you maybe had punted or kicked it deep and then got the three and out? Because if you do, we might be having a different conversation here, Bill.
2: Yeah, but the problem was you just talked about it, uh, Price. They went on a nine-minute drive, so yeah. I'm not sure you kicked that thing deep. You- <clears throat> Got no shot at at all if they are able to convert and let's face it they weren't stopping army for the most part all day long army was able to at least sustain drives if they weren't scoring they were still sustaining drives so yeah at that point you've got you feel like you got momentum because you've got a couple quick touchdowns you might as well go for the onside kick because if you get it now you're really going to be in good position to be able to storm in tie that thing up and then all of a sudden you're looking around and, yeah, Army and their crowd is going, what happened? We were just up by 21, and it's all gone now at this mm-hmm. point. So I didn't have a problem with the onside kick. I felt like they, they really had to do it because, again, Army's a type of team that they can just suck the life out of you. As you saw, that nine-minute drive, 40 minutes in the game, they were able to keep Western Kentucky in their high-powered offense – standing on the sideline watching, and that's the easiest way to beat those type of teams is don't let them have the football.
1: Christian Anderson, fantastic game for the Black Knights. Five of six throwing the football, seventy-seven yards and a touchdown. Then he led the way on the ground, twenty-two carries, one hundred nineteen yards, average over five yards a pop. Um, you know the big thing, Army. We, you, we're going to say it all year. You know, third and fourth down, they were eleven to sixteen combined. Uh, that's a doggone. That's going to win you a lot of football games. Western Kentucky is pretty good, seven to twelve on third and fourth, but they came up two. They came up empty on two critical fourth down attempts bill Uh, they could have kept drives alive so you know that's a big story I don't know did you catch after the game did you catch Jeff Munkin who had some words with a uh, with a Western Kentucky assistant did you see that at all
2: I I did I, I I heard a little bit about it but I didn't see any of it and I honestly haven't seen any fallout from it so I'm not sure exactly what happened with that
1: yeah, I don't know. It looked like, I mean, they were shaking hands. Munkin was hitting, you know, some Western Kentucky guys on the head. You know, helmet just say, patting him on the – saying, good game, hey, you know, great job. Um, but then it was yeah, – all of a sudden he saw a Western Kentucky assistant coach uh, – saying something is what the cameras caught and he went over and said something of which we obviously don't know and then Tyson Helton the head coach of Western Kentucky quickly steps in and basically says I'll handle it and I I mean it was that's really all that it (laughs) was but you know it's another one of those things where you know we happen to catch on TV man Munkin standing up for his guys and there's no head coach that wouldn't do it but those guys just love playing for Jeff Munkin because he's so fiery and man he has got their backs and he lets it all shine. You see it on TV. Whether it's you know at the end of the third quarter, getting ready for a fourth quarter, turning toward the you know the army, the cadets, or the fans at Mikey Stadium. He's an emotional guy, and the Cadets and Black Knights, they love playing for him and have, having him as their head coach, Bill.
2: Well, it's easy to like uh, playing for him when you win, and they've, they've won since he's gotten there. He's done a pretty good job of it, and again, another nice win. They get a, a little bit of a talk about Navy having the, the week off before they have to go play Houston. Well, Army doesn't exactly have the week off, but they kind of have the week off. I mean, let's be honest, coming up this week, they yes. should hammer a really bad UConn team, but yeah, I think Army. You're you're a little bit more uh, bullish on them going into Wisconsin than I am, but uh, they're going to have a, a tremendous season. They're going to be in a bowl game, and and I think that they should be the favorites to win the Commanders and T- Commander in Chief Trophy as well.
1: Nothing that uh, doesn't look that way right now, but Air Force is going to have something to say about it. All right, Bill, let's give out our game balls, our proverbial game balls this week. Um, I'll start first this week. Uh, You went first last week. I got to go with somebody from the Air Force defense. When you hold a team to 60-something yards total offense, 36 yards rushing, I mean, you're doing something right. And... Um, You know, TD Blackman led the way with 11 tackles for the Falcon defense, but I'm going to go with DeMonte Meeks. He had nine tackles second on the team. Six of those nine were, were solo tackles, but he had two, two big sacks, you know, when Navy tried to throw the football and they could not. Um, you know, the stifling effort by the air force defense. And, and clearly as you played the clip a little bit earlier, you know, Troy Calhoun, a lot to be proud of that defense bill. I don't get caught up in statistics a lot, especially when, when it's early, you know, when you only have two games, you know, as a samples, it's really hard to, to get caught up in some of those numbers. I think you got to give it a month, you know, but I mean, only after two games, I think they uh, air force right now is in the top five in total defense and in, in yards allowed. Um, you know, in division one. So, uh, or I should say, you know, the uh, FBS. So, you know, they're getting it done on the defensive side of the football. And well, obviously that'll be put to the test by a big Utah state team that likes to throw it around that say that that averages uh, north of 450, 500 yards a game. This Saturday, uh, we'll see a little bit more for them, but I like uh, Air Force senior linebacker DeMonte Meeks leading the way, getting my game ball this week.
2: Yeah, for me, my game ball, I'm going with the quarterback up there at Army. You talked about it, Christian Anderson. Uh, 22 carries, 119 yards. He didn't get in the end zone uh, on the ground, but five of six. This, is to me, is the key thing. We talk about this all the time, and you saw it with Navy, their inability to throw. Well, Anderson's ability to throw helped them out in that game. Five of six, 77 yards, a touchdown in that ball game as, it, as they beat Western Kentucky. And uh, I, he just did, again, a great job of kind of controlling the offense, knowing where he could go with the football. Five out of six, they don't throw it much, but when you're hitting at 83%, you're doing something right. So my game ball, Christian Anderson there for the Army quarterback.
1: Love it, Bill. All right, let's step away. We're going to get into what happened in the postgame. Navy firing a coach. Who fired the coach? Then he's rehired on Monday this week. How do you fix this Navy offense? We're going to tell you about it and get into it next when we come back here on Yards and Stripes with my man Bill Rowland and myself, Price
0: Atkinson. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Manion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment. If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Manion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. We now return to the only show you need for everything Service Academy football. It's Yards and Stripes with Price Atkinson and Bill
1: Rowland. Continuing on here on Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. I'm Price Atkinson, and that is my man Bill Rowland. As we continue on this week, and before we move ahead and look ahead at what's coming up for Army and Air Force this weekend, both home games, you know, after the game, uh, Air Force defeating Navy twenty-three to three, it came out probably within an, a couple hours after the game. Bill that Ivan uh, Ivan Jasper, the offensive coordinator for the Naval Academy, uh, was uh, immediate relieved immediately relieved of his duties by Athletic Director Chet Gladchuk. Um, that was walked back on Monday this week when Jasper was rehired um, by Kenny Amatololo as the quarterback coach. Kenny Amatololo will now call the plays, but Jasper back on staff just coaching quarterbacks. And Kenny's saying, you know, there's no better offensive coach when it comes to working with option quarterbacks than Ivan Jasper. So, you know, the situation unfolded several hours after the game. I know a lot of people calling for Jasper's head, you know. You take me through what you know, what what you've heard. You know this sounded like a heat of the moment call that was done not by Kenny Niamatololo, but the administration and Chet Gladchuk himself, the Navy AD.
2: Yeah, it was it was strange listening to some of the press conferences this week um, from Coach Kenny. We talked about there was some sort of incident in the locker room, but he wasn't there for it because he was doing his post game press conference at the time. So. Again, not being in there, not knowing exactly what went on, but we can kind of piece things together. It seems like maybe the athletic director went down, had a little conversation with, with Ivan. Maybe it didn't go. And, and, again, heat of the moment, none of those decisions of firing somebody should be made within an hour of a football game, especially against one of your rivals. If you want to make a change, wait till Sunday morning, sit down with all parties involved, talk it out, and then you can go on from there. This, again, just a, a quick few. And I get it. I understand. Again, you lost to your rival. You are embarrassed at home. You haven't been playing well uh, over your last five or six football games. It's just not going well. But it just – it was a horrible look for them to fire him, and then 24, 36, 40 hours later, oh, never mind, he's back. And then also on top of it, even though – He's not a a main coach or player for them. Um, They had an assistant coach basically get dismissed because he won't get a uh, COVID vaccine, and that's a requirement. So, I mean, they just had all this stuff. They lose 23-3. to They get embarrassed. They fire their offensive coordinator. No, he's back. And then a couple hours later, oh, your receivers coach or one of your guys that works with the receivers coach, he's gone because he won't get the vaccine. I mean, it's just – it's a mess up there right now. It is an absolute mess. Met. If this was a Power Five school, it would be all over ESPN, Fox. It would be twenty four seven them talking about how dysfunctional it's going, it, what the goings on are right now. Yeah,
1: you never fire a coach with if you're an athletic director, and I, I can say this, you know, definitively. Just simply, you just don't do it in the heat of the moment. You know, I know that you had just shy of thirty-seven thousand people in the stands national television audience and you look like that offensively you know when you're prolifically typically on that side of the football you just don't do it level heads have got to prevail and you know i've never been a big proponent at all of firing coaches in season especially in the first half of a season much less after two or three games when you're trying to get going you know you hired these guys for a reason at least give them time to try and get going I and mean, a lot of times you can see maybe the way a team performs you know if you need to make a change you might see a team rise up you know for you know a game the next week late in the season um, but it's just it's just insane to me that you would walk down and relieve a coordinator or a coach immediately following the game as an athletic director we don't know if there was a you know if there was an ultimatum put you know, by Gladstone which you don't think it was towards Kenny because he said like you know he's in the middle of a press conference you know and then this you know this transpire somebody said to me well you know didn't you listen to Kenny and, and his post game press conference sounded like he knew something had happened well you know then we find out you know from Kenny on Monday and, and listening to him to, you know that that was not the case so it just it just is, as you said, a mess. It just doesn't seem like it adds up. But then you talk about, you know, it gets walked back where Kenny basically goes to to Gladchuck and basically says, look, we got to have him. <laughs> and right. Jasper is back on staff. And, you know, he's those guys have been together for so long. I mean, Ivan, I think, played. He played for Kenny when Kenny was coaching as an assistant at Hawaii. Um, you know, their families, you know, clearly, you know, when you coach together that long – I mean, you're you're very, very close. And so I have a hard, very hard time seeing Kenny making that move himself. Um, But then you see him go to bat for Ivan like that and basically saying, okay, he needs to be back here. I need him coaching quarterbacks. I'll call the plays. But at this point, how do you fix this thing? I mean, what is the answer? Because I just think that the players, you know, it's hard to make chicken salad out of chicken poo. And, I don't think the personnel, you can execute better, your offensive line needs to play and block better. but you know there's I just don't see the Shun Whites, the Reggie Campbells, um, you know, some of those guys, playmakers that Navy's had at slot back over the years, you know, I don't see, you know, forget even Kyle Echol and Adam Ballard and some of the bowling ball fullback be backs they've had. You know, I don't see, you know, there's no Carruthers on the team, you know, that was dismissed. Um, there's no some, you know, some of the guys that were, you know, a little bit smaller, but more speedy B-backs and fullbacks. You know, James Harris, nice player. He's big. I mean, he's not very fast at all. He broke away uh, in a game against you know, the first open game against Marshall. Couldn't take it to the house. I just don't know what's on the roster to fix this. I, at this point, you might have to do something crazy. I do think that you know the mulligan you got is Lavatai could not play. He had a lower leg injury. He starts for against Marshall. Probably in two weeks, most likely you're going to get him back. He probably gives you the better options. Xavier line cannot throw the football. I think you got to move him to another position. Um, They had already moved one quarterback in the offseason. They traditionally, and Paul Johnson told me this a long time ago, and I know it's still to be the case, is especially the academies, they recruit a lot of quarterbacks because they are good with the ball in their hands and most oftentimes they are all moved to a different position whether it be at naps maps the prep schools for all three uh, you know for all three programs or you do it once they get you know uh, in your program as they fresh their first year so I I don't know what you do um, outside of, I mean, is Maynard the guy for Navy? I don't think so. I think Lavatai is probably the guy. and, and he's, There's a reason he started game one, because he gives them a better chance to win, especially throwing the football. You're not going to throw it 50 times a game. I just don't know radically what you can do at this point, Bill Rowland.
2: Well, probably don't think you can. I mean, it's not like you can rehaul and, and have a different offensive scheme. You're not going to be able to do that. They don't have the players to suddenly go, okay, well, we're going to, even if they wanted to throw it 15 times a game, they don't have the that type of personnel to do that, to become an even more balanced offense. So that's the thing that I, I kind of laugh uh, when they, you know, you talk about, oh, well, we need a different play caller. Well, what, what's going to be different about it? the The plays are going to be the, okay, you call them in a different order, You call them at a different time, you're still going to run the triple option. You're not suddenly going to, again, drop back and throw 15, 20 times a game. It's not like you sit there and go, oh, well, they should have thrown this or they should have thrown that. No, you couldn't. You don't have somebody that can do that. You don't have an offensive line that is able to do that. So that's why I just don't understand this whole idea of, okay, well, we need to make a change at the offensive coordinator's position because we need to do different job calling plays. What other plays are you gonna call? They're all gonna be. It's all triple option. There's nothing yeah. else on the play sheet. So that's why. That's where I am with it. I just. It's going to be a bad year, and if they want to make a change at the end of the year because they think suddenly uh, Kenny's lost it and he can't coach anymore, which I don't believe. But if if that's what they think, if that's what their administration thinks, fine, make the switch at the end of the year. But don't. There's nothing you can do when you're at a service academy. To, to change things radically in the middle of a season it just doesn't happen
1: it, it doesn't I mean you've got junior varsity teams at all three places but you know can you go down and pluck maybe I mean speed doesn't grow on trees but might you look at you know a couple freshmen that might be playing junior varsity where you're trying to get them on the field because I mean look you're not going to go out track you know an Alabama or an Ohio State I, I get that but Just trying to find some playmakers, and and I know it starts up front too. You gotta block people, you gotta open the holes, but just trying to find some guys where you can put the ball in their hands and good things happen. I think you gotta try and look for something, whether it's a wrinkle. I don't. I'm with you. You can't overhaul this whole thing. You just can't do it midseason, even with a bye week. All right, let's take a look, Bill. We got two games this weekend. We got both Army and Air Force at home. Let's start at Mikey Stadium, and again, another. I mean, it's Mikey's just a fantastic backdrop. It's just one of the most under. It's one of the most underrated settings in all of college football. If you've never been to a game, you got to go. Twelve noon kickoff on CBS Sports against. I don't know how I can put Owen three UConn into context, Bill. Except one word: abysmal. This is an abysmal, awful football team one that Army is a 34-point 34, 34 favorite against right now. I don't remember the last time when Army was favored by 34 points, to be honest, but they're favored by 34. I think they'll get the cover and then some. This is an awful UConn
2: team. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have a problem given the poison this class. as I think about it. I mean, and we just talked about, you know, you can't rehash, things, you can't do radical changes. Well, what happened to UConn after they lost to Fresno State? Randy Etzel just quit. Just said, oh, yeah. I'm out of here. And people remember that name because, A, he was at Maryland. So those of us that are local here in D.C. around Navy, they know what he what he did or didn't do there at Maryland. And they also know that, hey, he brought UConn to prov- you know, prominence back, what, 15 years ago, 20 years ago now, however long it's been. Well, he just up and quit after they got blasted by Fresno State, and it hasn't gotten any better for them. They lost the Holy Cross, who is an FCS <sighs> team who is not a good FCS team. They're not in the North Dakota State. They're not James Madison. They're not, you know, all these schools that are always in the playoffs. They're terrible, and they gave up 38 to them. They have not scored against an FCS team yet this year. Both times they played them, they got shut out. They're bad. They gave up 189 yards on the ground. Tell me that doesn't play right into the hands for Army. This is going to be an absolute disaster For Holy Cross, I mean, excuse me, for UConn, who can't even beat Holy Cross, Army is going to roll them on Saturday.
1: Yeah, Lou Spanos, who takes over as their interim head coach, I don't know if he he caught this. I want to say it was in the Holy Cross game where, you know, he's becomes the new head coach. He's your defensive coordinator. You want to find, you know, a guy that, you know, the players respect and they can get them fired up and can get them coached up to play. I think it was in that game sometime in the second half, which it was a close game. He, you know, he gets all his defensive players in and, you know, puts his, you know, puts his hand up and is trying to get them and, you know, get them fired up. Not one single player on his starting defensive unit came in, you know, in that huddle and, and put the hand up like, let's go, you know, ready break. Not one of them not one, and that's your new interim head coach. I mean, when those guys just don't even want to be there and they're laying down that early in the season, man, you got problems. I mean, they're just... Abysmal. I mean, I know Army is going to try and kind of shake the monkey off. They lost the last time, 22-17. They went to UConn back in 2015, which that's when Jeff Munkin got, got kind of ticked off or testy with a student reporter for the UConn paper, the Daily Campus, um, when UConn pulled out a close game. But this is not going to be close. Uh, this at no. Nike Stadium will be a rout. It should be over by the end of the first quarter. Every player probably on that Army sideline will get in this game, Bill. I will be shocked. They'll, they should be pulling cadets out of, this, out of the, the student section on that side of the field to come down and play. That's how bad this thing should get.
2: UConn's giving up 47% on third downs. They haven't stopped anybody yet on fourth down. I mean, that's that's what Army does. So they're yeah. done. And in the red zone, 14 trips by their opponents, 11 touchdowns, two field goals. They have one stop in the red zone this year. They are going to get absolutely boat raced come Saturday. It's not going to be pretty. I mean, it'd be great for Army, but it won't, and be, three, oh, UConn. won't
1: be great for UConn. Oh, it, it's it's just going to be bad. Um, CBS Sports Network, I'm sure their guys are already looking for things to talk about in the second half. 0-3 UConn at 2-0 Army. Again, 12 noon, CBS Sports Network. All right, Utah State is traveling out to Air Force. Both teams 2-0, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff Eastern Standard Time on Fox Sports 2. 8 point favorite for the Falcons at home they lead this series 6 and 3 uh, including 4 and 1 in games against Utah State at Falcon Stadium the, the Falcons have won 2 in a row and 3 straight at home against Utah State but this is a Utah State team that averages over 530 yards of total offense. Um, this is uh, going to be a little bit of a different team that Air Force is going to see the way they throw the ball around uh, and could put points up in a hurry. It's nothing different than, though, that they're used to in the Mountain West. I mean, most of the teams in that league are teams that throw the pill around, Bill Rowland.
2: Yeah, this is kind of like uh, you go back and this is kind of like the Western Kentucky Army game in a way because that's what Western Kentucky wanted to do is just throw it around, throw it around, throw it around. The difference is Utah State's better than Western Kentucky. Now, they're playing Air Force, not playing Army, but you get the idea that they, they, they can do things. A Mountain West opener for both. Brand-new head coach there at Utah State, uh, Blake Anderson, who was the head coach at Arkansas State, if people remember, and he had them on a roll there for a while. They went to six straight bowl games. They were a little down last year, as was Utah State. They only went one in five. Uh, in their season, but they have a couple of transfers that came over with head coach Anderson, including their quarterback in Logan Bonner. Um, he's going to throw it around, and he's got some speed out there at the wideouts. I love the kid, uh, Dave, uh, uh, Dave Tompkins, that came back for them. 16 mm-hmm. receptions already on the season for him, and he went big time, <clears throat> and now he's not a big kid. He's 5'8", like 155, but he can fly. That's the matchup that, when I look at this game, I worry about for Air Force because they have speed and more speed on the outside for Arkansas State. It's just going to be a matter of, much like Army did with Western Kentucky, can Air Force hold on to the football enough to keep that high-flying offensive Utah State off the field? Because if they can... They can win a shootout with them if they get a couple of three and outs and bang bang Utah State goes down and scores quick and all of a sudden puts them in a hole. It's tough to get back against some of these high flying teams, but they're going to be. It's going to be a good matchup. I don't like the eight. I think Air Force could win, but eight seems like an awfully lot of points for a you know a team that hasn't really played anybody yet. A bad Navy team and, and a Lafayette team that's out of the FCS. I mean, excuse me, uh, yeah FCS. So it's not good.
1: Yeah, and Utah State went to Wazoo. I mean, think about this. I mean, I, I know that they're a Pac-12 team, and but Wazoo is – They've been pretty good over the last few seasons. Nick Rolovich came in and took over for Mike Leach, who left and went to Mississippi State. And, you know, they throw the ball around a lot at Wazoo, don't play a lot of defense. And Utah State went out there and won 26-23 and, you know, beat a pretty solid, you know, uh, FCS team in North Dakota last week, 48-24. to 24. One thing to look at is um, Utah State, again, don't get caught up in a lot of statistics. And this isn't so much a statistic, really, but, you know, 36 to 3 is what Utah State has outscored teams, Bill, in the fourth quarter of their two games you know coming back and finishing with a flurry 36 to 3 outscoring their opponents in that in the final stanza something to kind of keep an eye on too because throwing the ball around all afternoon you know that air force defense could get a little worn out chasing uh, Logan Bonner around trying to pull him down if this is a close game uh, going into that last quarter that's something i think to maybe pay attention to but you know you meant 8 point favorite for air force uh, hosting Utah State two and in the Mountain West Conference, seven thirty kickoff on Fox Sports Two. Bill, what do you like? Do You like Air Force to cover? You like a close I, one?
2: I don't. I, I just because the, the eight points. And again, as you mentioned, the fourth quarter comes back the comebacks for Utah State. They they were down to Washington State and scored fifteen points late to win that game. They were down twenty one to seven early to North Dakota State before they came roaring back in that game. Uh, and, and got a victory. So I think Utah State um, is going to be the best team that, that Air Force has seen so far this year and also a team that doesn't do what they're used to practicing against with that triple option. They're going to sling it around, and I know that Air Force has seen that before with a lot of different teams in the Mountain West, but I think Utah State in this spot, I, I don't like the eight points. I, I, I see it more of, of, a, of a field goal or even a four-point game um, Air Force may win this thing late because they're at home, but, man, it's going to be it's gonna be a, a, a much closer game than, than I think the odds makers are making it out to be. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely
1: looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be a close one down to the end. All right, when we come back, our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll segment honoring a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. Appreciate the Travis Mannion Foundation for partnering with us again this season you can find so much more about them online uh, all kinds of things that they have going on their 9-11 heroes run and so much more as we get ready for the month of october not too far away check them out online travismanion.org we'll do our travis manion foundation honor roll segment honoring a fallen hero when we come back Travis Mayan Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment as we close up every single week here on Yards and Stripes with this segment and if this is your first time listening let me explain what this one is all about. This segment the TMF Honor Roll is designed to honor and remember the sacrifice the life of one of our nation's fallen heroes who gave the ultimate sacrifice to our nation for our country and for our freedoms. In addition We want to take a step back in honoring their sacrifice, but also talk about uh, the work that their families are doing with the Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll in honoring the legacy of service, leadership, and character of their loved one. And the Travis Manion Foundation is uniting communities to strengthen America's national character by empowering veterans and families of fallen heroes to develop and lead future generations in 2017. Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq while saving his wounded teammates. And today, Travis's legacy lives on in the words he spoke before leaving for his final deployment. If not me, then who? Today, the Travis Mannion Foundation is empowering veterans and families of fallen heroes to develop character and future generations in local communities across the country. In this week's Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment, we're going to honor, remember the life of Army Sergeant First Class Bradley Bull, and Bradley, nicknamed Pops, he died September the 16th, 2009, while serving our country in Operation Enduring Freedom uh, over in the Middle East. And Bradley was 29 years old and native of Glen Burnie, Maryland. He died and lost his life while riding in a Humvee that was hit by a roadside bomb in Afghanistan. And as a medical sergeant, always had a dream of, of being a Green Beret. He was assigned to the 3rd Battalion, 7th Special Forces Group out of Fort Bragg and was on his second deployment to Afghanistan. He was later awarded posthumously the Bronze Star and Purple Heart. After his death, his sister April Bowl shared some words of sporting advice that he gave to her Uh, several years ago, his sister April saying, quote, the first thing he taught me was the catcher shouldn't stand too close to the batter. He was my best friend, my comforter, and he was, is, and always will be my hero, end quote. And Bradley survived by his wife Elizabeth and their three daughters, Brianna, Jocelyn, and Braylon. And their family has since done some work and gotten involved with the Travis Manion Foundation with, that they describe him with the character traits kindness, perseverance, and humility. And he Bradley met his wife, Lizzie, uh, while they were both stationed together in the Army at Fort Hood in Texas. And she has since, as I mentioned, how he... I always had a dream of being a Green Beret. Uh, She started an arm wrestling tournament to raise money for the Green Beret Foundation, an organization that supports families of special forces soldiers. Um, And this arm wrestling tournament was just simply to honor his competitive nature uh, and love for the mixed martial arts. And uh, his wife, Lizzie, who still uh, does work uh, with local veterans, helping the Fort Bragg Steel Mags chapter, uh, which their goal is to help others through Difficult times, whether repeated deployment, injuries, or the loss of a loved one, uh, but just amazing to see uh, the the life of Bradley Bowl, uh continued to be you know honored. Uh, his legacy of service, character, uh, and leadership uh, through his wife Elizabeth, their three daughters Brianna, Jocelyn, Braylon, and through the Travis Manion Foundation. And, you know, we take this time to take a step back and honor the life of Army First Class Sergeant Bradley S. Bowl.
0: Your home for all things Service Academy football. It's Yards and Stripes with Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland. Now back to this week's episode.
1: Wrapping up this episode of Yards and Stripes, Bill Rowland. I'm a Price action. Myself has been doing this a while, but I'm excited to have Bill on board with me again this season. Can't thank you enough, Bill, for, for all your hard work. And I know it's been only a couple of games. You having fun yet?
2: Oh, yeah, of course. Like I said, it's it's really interesting to watch these teams. It's fun, you know, with the pageantry. And I know this past weekend with 911, it was even more special. But anytime you can sit and watch these guys again, that are in school to go on to to defend the country and and do those type of things, and and yet they're still doing it for the love of the game. It's not so that they can go on To the NFL, though some of the guys do, you know, it's it's not like an Alabama or an LSU or something like that, where you've got, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 guys that are all going to be, you know, top draft picks. So, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to watch. This is what college football, I think a lot of people would probably think they would like to say that college football is like and not just a feeder program for the NFL. So, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun.
1: All right, before we give you a few uh, few notes to pass along before we get out of here, just remember that you can download, listen, subscribe, Yards and Stripes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts each week. Go and search Yards and Stripes. You will find us and hit that subscribe button. It will be delivered to your smartphone, your, your iPad, your device, whatever it is, your laptop. We will be tape brought right to you every single week where you won't have to go search for it. It'll be right there waiting for you when we come to you midweek during the college football season. Again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker easy to find us and while you're there especially on apple Podcasts, give us a review we'll take five stars we'll take four we'll take whatever you want to give us it just makes it easier for other people especially college football fans of army navy and air force be able to find us but a couple notes to pass along real quick the air force game against fau Florida atlantic coming to falcon stadium on saturday september the 25th that is going to now be a 6 p.m Mountain Standard Time kickoff on Fox Sports 2. Again, Air Force hosting FAU on September 25th, 8 p.m. local time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff on Fox Sports 2. Um, The Air Force Academy and the Air Force Academy Foundation announcing this week a proposed multi-phase Falcon Stadium renovation project that's going to be part of their Defining Our Future campaign campaign going to total, the initial phase is going to total $70 million. Um, most of that is going to be stadium upgrades on the east side, uh, including uh, a new stadium entrance, you know, some, an event space, uh, relocation of the cadet section. And a heritage plaza, improved seating, concessions, restroom, merchandise, really kind of the the main things that you see and are introduced to, you know, what, right when you walk into Falcon Stadium. So they are just uh, getting off the ground with that project, part of the defining our future campaign, $70 million that they're going to put into uh, Falcon Stadium to begin renovations there. As you know, Bill, it's all about keeping up with the Joneses. I know that I love watching and going to games at Falcon Stadium, but it could use a little facelift, especially a media elevator to get down to the very bottom because that is one of the longest halls in all of college football to get from that press box down to the field level. You are winded, let me just say, when you get down to the bottom. Uh, one more new uh, note to pass along. Army going to be broadcasting again, 90.3 FM, non delay broadcast of Rich DeMarco and their entire radio network inside Mikey Stadium. You can listen to the non-delayed broadcast. You bring, bring in a radio, 90.3, however it is, you're going to get it. You can listen right there this Saturday uh, during the UConn Army game, noon kickoff there inside Mikey Stadium. And Bill, I love that when you can pop on your headphones and listen to you know the home radio network right there and i love it when you can find it doesn't happen often but like even if you're on the road sometimes you know an opposing team might find a, a frequency where they can broadcast their their games you know inside the stadium especially like bowl games and conference championship games i love that where you can listen to your guys wherever you are
2: yeah it's cool because there's so many people now and, and it kind of started where people are going to the baseball games and then they realized now in this whole digital world that by the time stuff gets processed out that it was a three or four second delay. so a guy would throw a pitch, you'd see it hit and then you'd hear in the play- by play guy you were like I already I already saw it I already know I already know what's happening. Uh, so I think it's cool. Anytime, again, is, is us being, you know, radio slash media guys. We love any of that type of stuff. The more people that can, that can listen to you doing your broadcast, the better it is. So I'm sure the, the Army play-by-play guys are loving this. That, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's just like literally sitting right next to them in the booth. I mean, there's no delay. It's as they call it. And, they're you know, it, it's just awesome. I, I love it. Like you said, it's radio guys and you know folks in the media. You know, we enjoy that kind of stuff. There's some people that just want to watch the game. Hear the 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 PA announcer, you know, call it and enjoy all that. I've always been a guy that takes my headphones in as a fan and you know is listening right there inside the stadium. All right, Bill, what did we leave on the table? I think we hit about all of it. Um clearly last week was a big weekend. There's a lot more to go. We'll do some more power rankings as we get ready to start turning the page October, but we still got a lot more college football. You know, Navy obviously is is off this weekend, but Air Force and Army back at home we got, we got a lot to do, and we've had a whole lot of drama, Bill, so far this early in the season. It's going to be exciting uh, the way this thing plays out because we got a lot more coming.
2: Yeah, I think both uh, Army and Air Force, obviously off to great starts. I think both of them are going to be in bowl games. I think Army's going to end up in a pretty good bowl game again as long as they don't stumble against somebody that they shouldn't. Uh, I, I only have them down for maybe one or two losses the entire year, so it's playing out really well for those two schools Navy's got the week off. They've just got to try to figure out how to be competitive again. And forget wins and losses. Go out and look like a football team. No more fumbles on special teams. No more roughing the punter. No more you know, snapping it over your punter's head. They need to get back to the absolute basics, and they'll try to do that uh, week four when they go down to Houston. It'll be a tough ask for them, but they've got you know a couple of weeks to kind of figure it all out.
1: All right, that'll do it real quick uh, before we get out of here. Just uh, go listen to our friend T.J. Reeves, the uh, his show, Three Dog Thursday. They're picking underdogs on his show every single Thursday. He's one of our good friends, uh, myself and Bill. Uh, Listen to this week's episode, which you'll hear Yards and Stripes on there. You'll hear us talking a little bit about these Army and Air Force games this weekend. Three Dog Thursday. Search it on Apple Podcasts. You can find it again on all your favorite apps that you listen to, podcasts, just like you can find Yards and Stripes. Bill, awesome job. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the games. Can't wait to do it again next week on Episode 4 of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football
0: thanks for being with us for this edition of yards and stripes service academy football a reminder to find us on social media through yards and stripes and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you find podcasts apple Podcasts, spotify google podcasts and more and we will catch you next time on yards and stripes service academy football